0: it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tanish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to leave. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry?
1: Good morning. That's not a mistake, don't worry. <laughs> we'll have the final verses read to us by Kathy in a bit. There's a reason. Um, shall I pray, and then we can start. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is ever faithful and sure. And we pray that by your mercy, you would help us to understand it and to have soft hearts that want to absorb your word and what it's saying to us, and not harden our hearts and just sort of resist its challenges. Um, Lord, we pray and thank you that you are eternal God who speaks to us every time we open your word, for your glory. Amen. Um, I always like this question. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, The obvious answer is flying. Uh, There is an argument that invisibility is as good, but it's a poor argument and flying is the obvious choice. (laughs) The sheer practical benefits on top of the fun mean that it is the obvious choice. I think in Jonah 4, God gives us, not a fictional silly superpower, but an actual superpower. And it's this. It is the ability to see our life through God's eyes. And at the same time, be happy for the maximum amount of time possible. And what's strange is that it comes to us in a passage that starts with anger. I don't know if you noticed, in verse 1, if you look down. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What's he angry about? Um... I've never quite understood, you know, when you watch a TV show, and at the start, it has previously, and then tells you what happened before, and I always think, I wouldn't be watching episode eight <laughs> if I hadn't watched one to seven, um, but I think, I think it's when, from when TV was actual TV, and if you missed one, you actually missed one, you couldn't just watch it whenever you wanted. But anyway, I think we need a previously on Jonah, because it's been the summer, you may have missed a Sunday, you may have been away or on camp or something. So we'll do a quick previously on Jonah. So Jonah is a prophet to God's people Israel, and God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is this big barbaric city in Assyria, which would later become the capital of Assyria. And Jonah runs away. In fact, he gets on a boat and starts sailing in the opposite direction. And God sends a storm upon the sea, and Jonah knows why that storm has come, and he says to the sailors, you've got to throw me into the sea, which they eventually do. God sends a fish to swallow Jonah and save his life, and Jonah praises God for his salvation. Fish spits Jonah out, and again God calls him to go to Nineveh. But this time Jonah goes, and he goes and he preaches to Nineveh and says, in 40 days you're going to be destroyed. God's going to destroy you. And they repent. They turn from their evil and they repent. And look down at the last verse of chapter 3. So chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Jonah is angry that Nineveh has been saved, that they've been spared God's judgment. And actually, I think if we're really honest, there's part of us that can relate to that. Um, Israel had a history of being mistreated by the nations around it, who were its enemies, and over hundreds and hundreds of years, there were battles, there were wars, And there was a lot of mistreatment of Israel by the enemies around it. And at this stage, Assyria and Nineveh, as a massive city in Assyria, is one of those enemies, one of those other nations. And actually, in 50 years, Assyria is going to come into Israel, plunder it, and carry off Israelites into exile. Maybe if you're at school, there's there's a, a sort of bully in your year. And if I said to you that they would turn to Christ and spend eternity with you in the new creation, how would you feel? There might be a little part of you that would go, ugh. Or what about the colleague at work who's just, for no reason at all it seems, conspiring against you? Or, or perhaps you're from a people group or a tribe who has been mistreated by another in the past if you were called to go and take the gospel to them, would you be running out the door, raring to go with a smile on your face? I think there's part of us that can relate to what Jonah is feeling. But at the same time, the verses are clear that that's the wrong way to feel. In verse 1, Jonah is angry, and he shouldn't be. And the issue is God's sovereignty in salvation, his right to choose and his control. And you see in verse four, God asks Jonah a question. And the Lord said, do you do you do well to be angry? And the answer comes in verses five to 11, which we haven't read yet. And the reason is that verses five to 11 are designed to stand out from the rest of the book. Um, They are designed to be the culmination of the book. There are a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, that Jonah, whilst in our translation, has four chapters, it actually comes to us in sort of seven mini-episodes, and verses five to 11 is the seventh, on its own, the seventh episode. So it's meant to be the culmination. And secondly, God's character and his sovereignty become the issue in this this bit of Jonah. We've had references to God's control and his sovereignty before. Remember um, when he hurled the storm, the great wind upon the sea, when he appoints the fish to swallow Jonah, and then in chapter 2 in Jonah's prayer, he says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord all references to God's sovereignty. But here, it becomes the issue, essentially, that God and Jonah have an argument about, although one party is significantly calmer than the other. And Kathy's going to come and read verses 5 to 11 for us, and then we're going to dive in.
0: Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east to the city and make a booth for himself there. He sat, it, see, he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and make it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there were more than 120,000 persons who did not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle.
1: lovely um, verse 5 is a ridiculous image I um, think have we got an image for verse 5 Ed Stevie we got we got this artist's impression maybe of um, of Jonah as he is in verse 5 Oh, there he is Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So God has saved Nineveh. And Jonah still has got his fingers crossed that they're going to die. So he goes out and he sits and he just looks. and he goes, Come on. I've got the best seat in the house here. Maybe fire will come down from heaven. Come on. Maybe God will change his mind. It's ridiculous. And now we start to see God's control and his sovereignty come in. So if you look at verse 6, Now the Lord God appointed a plant. Verse 7, But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. Verse 8, When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. We've got this image here of God going, you know, it's like he's conducting the orchestra of his own creation. Things are happening. God is in control. And it seems in verse 6 that Jonah has left the booth that he made for himself in verse 5 because God appoints a plant and makes it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head. He previously had shade in his booth, but he must have left it because now he's getting shade from the plant. That it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. What's really interesting is in the Hebrew, The word for discomfort could be translated evil as well, and you actually might see that. There's a little footnote there that says, or save him from his evil. And it's the perfect word, because not only is this plant, for a brief period of time, going to save Jonah from his discomfort by giving him shade, it's also going to be the thing that God uses to teach him a lesson that will hopefully save him from this evil way of thinking. In verse six, it continues. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. I love this. The the original Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word for scorching east wind is just scorcher. God appointed a scorcher of a day. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plants? Similar question to the one that started this little section. Do you do well to be angry about the plants? And Jonah says, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant. Um, Other translations have it, um, you are concerned for the plant or you have compassion for the plant. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. The plant and Jonah's, uh, his feelings towards it are in complete contrast to Nineveh and God's feelings towards Nineveh. Um, Jonah didn't do anything to create the plant. Um, He also didn't do anything to sort of nurture it or make it grow. The plant is alive for 24 hours, that's its lifespan, and there's one of it. And Jonah is really angry that the plant has died. And God is saying, Jonah, there's an entire city here of people that I created. I make them grow, I sustain them every moment of every day, they're not alive for a day. They have eternal souls. And there's not just one of them, there's more than 120,000. Should I not care? If, if you care that much for that plant, do you not think I should care that these people are heading for judgment? And if you're wondering what the reference to cattle, cattle is at the end, God's saying, Even if Nineveh had no one in it and was just full of cattle, it would still be more important than your plant. Jonah's immature emotions about something small and temporary come up against things of true weight God's grace and the eternal destiny of people's souls. And it is a devastating dose of perspective. And I don't know if you noticed, the book, which is a bit unusual, ends with a question mark. It ends on a question. Should I not pity Nineveh? And the question continues. And so it forces us to answer it as well. You can't just sort of close Jonah and think, well, that was nice, like that story. You have to answer the question yourself. Um, A few years ago, uh, I was... Painting some skirting boards. Very glamorous evening I had. Um, And I was painting some skirting boards, and I was trying not to get any paint on the floor, and also trying to not get any paint on the wall. I was painting some skirting boards. And I I made a mistake. I got some paint on the wall, and I was really upset about it. I I was fuming. I was really upset. For days. You know, we've... We've observed Jonah at a distance, haven't we, throughout the book. It's almost like we've been 20 yards behind him from where that picture is, and we've seen him do all these things. We've had that sort of objective view. And I'm sure Jonah was upset about the plant. I'm sure he was angry about it. But from the outside looking in, It's laughable, isn't it? It's laughable. Does my immaturity fare any better, do you think? Have a listen. Alex went to the end of his room and knelt down there. He got his brush and his paint and dreamt of what would become of his skirting board. Now the Lord God appointed his brush to slip slightly so that white paint... Went onto a wall that was meant to be off white. This displeased Alex exceedingly, and he was angry. God said, Do you do well to be angry about the paint? Alex said, Yes. Not angry enough to die, but angry enough to burden my wife with my tale of woe and be a grump for the rest of the week. It doesn't look good, does it? Well, when God is concerned with the salvation of sinners, I'm taking no joy in my own salvation in that moment, and I'm angry about something of no importance. Should we do you? During the 12th month of the year, Michael came home from work looking forward to a relaxing evening. He soon started to feel cold and discovered from messages on his street WhatsApp group that there was no hot water for a select few roads for 24 hours. This displeased Michael exceedingly, and he was angry. God said, do you do well to be angry about the heating? Michael said, yes. Not angry enough to die, but angry enough to sulk all the way through the night and then feel sorry for myself for at least a month after it's fixed. It doesn't look good, does it? While God is concerned with the salvation of sinners. I mean, even you show that one to any Christian living before the advent of central heating. (laughs) And they're thinking, praise the Lord, he had a warm house for 364 days of the year. I trust that the teenagers of this church know that I love them all. So I hope this one will be right. This also happened to me, by the way, in case it makes it better. Penelope went to school to collect her A-level results. She sat down and opened the envelope. The grades she got meant that she wouldn't be able to go to Oxbridge, And immediately, the realization set in that, after an education many children across the world could only dream of, she'd have to settle for a different world-class university. This displeased Penelope exceedingly, and she was angry. God said, Do you do well to be angry? Penelope said, Yes, not angry enough to die, but angry enough to cause my loving parents to worry about me for the entire summer. It doesn't look great, does it? while God is concerned with the salvation of sinners. And we all do this. We all do this, don't we? Uh, I guess I've been speaking mainly to Christians uh, in the last few minutes, but if you're not a Christian, you will also have immature, small, temporary fixations. And one day they're gonna also come up against God and things of true weight. On the day Christ returns and every person is judged. And the good news is that God is, as Jonah actually rightly said, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And if you repent now, like Jonah, you will be spared, like Nineveh, sorry, you will be spared that judgment. If not, you will on that day wonder why you poured your life into things that didn't matter. And you'll regret it. But Jonah, I think, has been a wonderful book to look through. um, And it gives us the ability to look at our own life at a distance. To see our life through God's eyes, if you like. Which is the best perspective possible and we can remember things of true weight, things that really matter, God's grace and the eternal destiny of people's souls. We can see our lives through God's eyes. And that means we can leave behind feelings of resentment towards that bully at school or that colleague at work or that other people group and hope that they will be saved and they will spend eternity with us in the new creation. And in God's kindness, it also means that we can be happy for the maximum amount of time possible, because now only genuinely sad things will make us sad, and through everything else, we can be happy in Christ. You know, praise the Lord that God was concerned and had compassion on wretched sinners like the Ninevites. If he wasn't, we wouldn't have been saved either. Praise the Lord that he uses useless sinners like Jonah to save others. If he didn't, nobody could be saved through us either. And praise the Lord that salvation belongs to him, as Jonah said, and as is on the board. I pray, and then we can sing. Father in heaven, we praise you that you save sinners, wretched sinners like the Ninevites. And we're sorry for when we deep down might wish that someone or some people did not get to hear your grace. Lord, we're also sorry for our immature emotions about things that really don't matter. When you are concerned and your priorities are the salvation of sinners and the eternal destiny of people's souls, please help us to have them as our priorities as well. And thank you that in your kindness, this is a wonderful recipe for happiness that things that don't ultimately matter, we can have in their place and care about things that really do. And thank you for showing us that in the book of Jonah. Thank you, Lord, that salvation belongs to you. Amen.